It's good to see everybody here this morning. We've been excited over the last few weeks to be in a series of messages that deal with our church's core values. And since we're a church family, these then are our family values, things that we share together, share in common, and and celebrate being a part of. And before I jump in today to the core value we're going to acknowledge today, I want us to take a step back, and I want us to look at the values that we as a church have had previously. Um, We may not have those up quite yet. So, uh, okay. When we began, we started on this value. Excellence matters because it honors God and inspires people. The next week, Michael, uh, Michael Wells got up and he shared with the value all healthy things grow and all growth involves change. And then last week, we took the time to look at the value that God has called every Christ follower to be a full participant in the life of a local church and has uniquely gifted each one for that role. So we want to consider the value today. And today's value where we're going to put our focus and our time is this. God does his greatest work through spirit-filled people. Now, I want to, I want to make a confession to you. Writing sermons, um, I used to have a pastor way back when who basically ordered all of his sermons, and he had a lot of time to play golf. Um, I made a commitment then because I recognized, you know, we, sometimes we learn learn well from examples of what we don't want to do just as well as we'd learn from examples of what we do want to do and I I made a commitment then that if God were to entrust me with this role of pastoring a church if he were to give me the task of rightly dividing the word of God I wouldn't be so arrogant as to think I don't need to listen to other people to commentators and and others who have who've been in this a lot longer than I have and have learned a lot more than I have but I would first listen to what God has to say and that my heart would be determined to share with God's people what it is that God gave to me to share rather than what God gave to someone else. Not that that's not helpful. I could get up and read a Max Lucado book and some of you would think, oh man, that's the greatest thing since sliced bread. I could get up and reread a John Piper sermon and some of you go, hey man, that's, that's an awesome thing. But in every context of ministry, in every community that surrounds us, God's word speaks directly and God's word impacts us in a way that maybe it doesn't impact us in Minneapolis, Minnesota. It's a little bit different in its application and in its living itself out through its community. And so when I looked at this value, let me tell you, I spent a good deal of time going through commentaries, reading through things, and I had a huge volume of information that could be approached from all different angles this morning. And even last night as I lay in bed, I was going through this in my mind. These are the things that preachers struggle with at night. You know, as I'm thinking through things, as I'm working through it, 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 you know, it begins even then to take shape. Now, it had already, well, I've already got the slides done. You've already got the notes done. But even then, it began, God keeps morphing this thing. And even this morning, as I get up, God is still morphing this thing. And so, you know, I give him permission to morph it even now if he has something he wants to communicate. Because I truly believe that if we are to do what God's called us to do, we have to be led by the Spirit of God. That doesn't mean chaos. It doesn't mean lack of planning. It simply means being sensitive 
to what God wants to do in that moment. And so as we, we take a look at this this morning, there are, there are a number of things that, that I want to share, but I want to give you the foundation upon which I'm going to build this. Because I like, like I said, there are lots of people who've got lots of debates over the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, was it for then? Was it for now? And I don't want to get into all that kind of stuff. I want to lay the foundation so that you understand from whence I am coming this morning. And the foundation looks like this. I'm convinced that when a person comes to faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to indwell and empower him or her. I'm convinced that God's Spirit comes to live in us when we come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of our lives. In addition, I am also convinced also that God fills and empowers believers all along the way in our Christian walk to accomplish His purposes in this world. In other words, it's not just that you know we get our, our, our dose when we become a Christian. Okay, this is it. Um, you, you've got this all the Holy Spirit you're ever going to get in your entire life. Because what Scripture teaches us is that God still has a plan to continually fill His people. And that's what we want to look at this morning. And He fills us for a purpose. He fills us for a reason. He fills us to accomplish His will and His purpose in this world. Now, now that I've laid the foundation, I want to stack some, some big stones on top of it this morning. And the first stone is this. It is God who does His work through us. Don't miss this. I have missed this so often in my life. It is not we who are working for God. We do exert effort, both on our knees and with calluses on our hands. We do exert effort, but it is God who is doing His work in us. Philippians 2.13 tells us, It is God who works in you to will and to act according to His good purpose. It's God who works in you. And I see so many believers, and I have been among them, who having begun with the Spirit, have begun to walk in the flesh. In other words, having begun to walk, having begun understanding what grace is and being embraced by that grace, having begun being empowered by the Holy Spirit to even believe in Jesus Christ to begin with, having begun that, then we feel like, okay, now that I've got that, I can begin to live this life with my own wisdom, in my own strength, going my own direction, and just ask God to bless it as I go. No, it is God who does His work through us. Secondly, God can accomplish His purposes through anybody He chooses. The amazing thing is that He chose me. One of the things that I've been struggling with this week, and it started really on Sunday afternoon and Monday, I began to struggle, uh, and I think I even maybe posted something up on Twitter, I began to struggle with this concept of being joyful in Christ. I have said, I have preached, I have taught that uh, there is a distinct difference between being happy about your circumstances in life and having a joy that comes from the Lord. Because guess what? Circumstances change. And they can change rather quickly. Um, I, I, I checked some of the scores on football games. And, you know, some people went from here to here pretty quickly. 
I mean, it doesn't take long for those things to change. One pass, one fumble can change everything and change the attitude. I won't give away his name, but I'm familiar with a person, and it's not me and it's not Nancy, but I'm familiar with a person who actually did physical damage to a chair arm. The chair just had a a, a scoop in it like this from pounding the chair at a game. Your happiness, it, it goes up and down like this, but your joy is connected to something that is eternal and unchanging. Your joy is a check connected to who God is and what God has done in your life. And so, listen, we sometimes fail to marvel at that. To sit in wonder and, and just in awe that God would save me and that God would use me. I don't deserve that. I haven't earned that. I haven't been good enough. I didn't get enough brownie points. I didn't get enough mileage points on a credit card to to get God to, to use me. God chose to use me, and God chooses to use you. But like I said, God can choose to use anyone. Think about it. God chose to use wicked kings. Look back in the Old Testament and you see God would use those kings who were not righteous people at all to accomplish his task. God used a a wayward prophet. As a matter of fact, he used a few of them. But God used in the course of Jonah, for instance, a wayward prophet still to accomplish his purposes. And listen, here's how I can tell you that you need to have a great deal of confidence that God can use you because he also used a mule. If God, listen, if God can use a mule to communicate his message, then you are more than qualified. Gosh, was that an insult? I didn't mean it as such. Listen, God can accomplish his purposes through anyone or anything he chooses, but he chooses you. And the third big rock I want to stack up on this foundation is this. God is most glorified when His people, filled with His Spirit, are accomplishing His will. This brings joy to the heart of the Father. When we, the men and women and teenagers that God has placed His Spirit within us, when we begin to function as people who are actually led by the Spirit of God. And this morning, that's where I would like to put the remainder of our focus, that God is most glorified when we who are filled with His Spirit are accomplishing His will and His purpose. So if you've got your Bibles, let me ask you to open to Ephesians chapter 5. We're not going to look at a lot this morning, but I think it's important for us to see this. Ephesians chapter 5, and we're going to look there at just a few verses, verses 15 to 20. And as we do, I want us to hear what God has to say to us about this. Now, there were literally, literally, literally dozens upon dozens upon dozens of places that I could have gone to pull out Scripture in which we could focus this morning. But... This is where I believe the Lord led me. So let's take a look at this together. Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 15. The Apostle Paul writes, as he is led by the Spirit of God, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Can I get an amen to that one? Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. 
Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual, spiritual songs or songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, help me to be able to communicate this, your truth, in a way that is understandable and is accurate and is helpful and useful to grow your people and to lead us to Christ's likeness. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. As I read this, there's just so much packed into here. But I want us to, I want us to see this. Many of us consider this aspect of, of, of receiving the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Holy Spirit, is something that's very personal, maybe even private. But if you'll notice, if you'll notice what Paul says, maybe that's not quite the case. It is personal. But he says, let's look, look at this. He says, be filled with the Spirit speaking to one another. Going from verse 18 to verse 19, be filled with the Spirit speaking to one another. Immediately, he ties the two together. Being filled with the Spirit speaking to one another. In other words, our being filled to the Spirit, with the Spirit is not simply for us to go riding off and doing our own thing in the name of Jesus, but our being filled with the Spirit actually links us with our fellow brothers and sisters who also have been filled with the very same Spirit. There are people all over this city right now who are in worship right now. And guess what? It's the same Holy Spirit across town as there is right here. God is no respecter of persons. If it's an African-American church, the Holy Spirit is there. If it's a purely white church, God is there. If it's a church of mixed races, God is there. If it's Baptist, God is there. If it's Methodist, God is there. If it's Episcopalian, God is there. Even in the Catholic church, let me tell you what, the Holy Spirit's in the Catholic church. It doesn't matter. Same spirit. All around the world, in all kinds of languages, it's the same Holy Spirit who fills us. It ties us together. It doesn't break us apart. And my heart still grieves for what we saw in the late 60s and the 70s and the early 80s as the Holy Spirit was being used by Satan as a wedge to drive Christians apart. When God gave us the Spirit to bring us together. God's Spirit is in us, not only for our benefit and blessing, it is also for the benefit and the blessing of His church. That is so important for us to understand. It's not just for me. Not just for my family. It's for all of us. And so we were filled, not just for ourselves, but we were filled for one another. I want you to also notice in what he says here that God's Spirit in us produces an overflowing joy that is anchored in deep trust in a sovereign God, a trust that produces a, a constant and consistent thankfulness. This, this is where God was convicting me this week. Think about what I have given to you, what I've placed in your life. Why in the world are you not just bouncing off the walls with joy? Your name is written 
Jimmy, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Jimmy, you are, you're in my hand and no one can snatch you out of my hand. No one's going to pluck you out. Jimmy, you're in my heart. You're in my church. You're part of my family. Jimmy, you're my son. What in the world have you got to complain about? Okay, so your team lost last week in the rain. Yeah, they were robbed, but it's okay. I did it. I sent the rain. What in the world are you worried about? So your team lost the national championship game. I know it still stings, but in heaven, you won't be thinking about that. Think about what you have, what God, what I've given you, who you are in me, and let that joy just, just bubble up inside you. One of the reasons that we are filled with the Holy Spirit is so that we can be filled with joy because joy comes from Him. And even more, God's Spirit in us is to influence our attitudes and our behaviors. This one really gets me. Notice what he says. He says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I want us to, if you'll, you'll bear with me just a little bit, I want to get into some, some study of a Greek verb here when he says be filled i don't need to tell you what the word is in the greek uh it, it does have a greek word there but it has a threefold meaning i want you to get this the first is it can simply mean to make full in other words to be filled is to to make full to take it to the brim that makes sense it can be it can also mean to be fully influenced and this is this is the equation. See what he's given here. He's given a, a comparison in order to make a contrast. Be, don't, don't be drunk with wine, he says. Don't be under the influence of any kind of, 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 of alcohol. Or, and listen, if, if Paul were writing these days, he may have a lot much longer list, okay? There's lots of things under which we can be, a, the, uh, we can be under the influence of in this culture, in this time in which we live. But what he says is, listen, don't get drunk. Don't be under the influence of this substance. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, what he's doing is he's making a, con a comparison to give us a contrast. We understand, some of you understand more than others, what it is to be under the influence of alcohol or drugs. You understand that. You know firsthand. And some of the things you know about it is, it, it actually, you, we think... It frees us. Well, that's literally what we think. It, it removes our inhibitions and makes us free. In reality, it says that we want to be, we don't want to be drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery, which leads to guilt. And what is guilt? Chains. How many of you don't raise your hands. We're not looking for volunteers. But how many of you can identify with this in the midst of the inebriation? You didn't have a care in the world. You were free till the next morning. And then comes the regrets. Then comes the remorse. Then comes the guilt. Then comes the sorrow. 
And there, what you didn't realize, that all you were doing the night before, the day before, was putting on the chains that you'd wear the next day. We are to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit, but it's not like wearing chains. It's what we just sang. Holy Spirit's come to break every chain, to truly set us free. But we are under the influence of the Spirit. In other words, it is His leadership that we are following. And then we also, this verb also means, this kind of threefold meaning, is that we are filled with the highest quality. And i got to tell you something. When you're filled with the Spirit of God, there's nothing greater that can fill you. Because it is that which brings the lasting joy, the lasting peace, the lasting hope. It is that which brings something that nothing else can replace. Let me go a little further with this verb. Some of you who, who, who are maybe English majors, you can, you can get this. In the Greek, it's just a little bit different, but it's pretty close. This verb, be filled, is present, passive, imperative. Now, if some of you are going, all right, let me write that down, because I'm going to need that later in my Bible study. Present, active, imperative. What does that mean? Present in, in Greek means it's not only immediate, but it's something that is now and ongoing. It is continuous. So when we're told, be filled, we're being told, be continually filled. Not a one-time process. Not, okay, I, I, I'm getting it on Sunday when I come to church and I don't need it again until next Sunday. No. Be continually filled. It is present. It is passive. That means it is something that is done to us, not something we do ourselves. We don't go out to, the, to, to Ingalls. We don't go to Publix. We don't go to Home Depot and say, you know, I'd like a, a box of the Holy Spirit. Give me, a, give me a five-pound bag of the Holy Spirit. We don't go acquire the Holy Spirit ourselves. It is something that is done to us. It is God who pours His Spirit into us. And that is imperative means it's a command. In other words, it's not optional. We're, we're not going to... When you got your first car, you remember what yours was? I don't remember what mine was. 1976 Dodge Dart. My dad pulled up in the driveway with it. White. It had a, uh, it was a, it was two-tone. It had a tan vinyl roof, kind of glued down. Had, had, had a tan vinyl seats, an AM radio. I didn't care. It had four tires and a steering wheel. I was ready to roll. And my dad brings this thing up to me, and, and he walks me out. Now, now again, I'm 15, so I, I'm, I'm about to get my driver's permit. He brings it up. He rolls it up in the driveway. He brings me out. He said, son, would you like this car? Well, I'm no fool. I said, absolutely. I didn't say, you know what, dad, I was really hoping for something a little newer than that. And, and my, that, that's really not my favorite color. If I were picking the color, I'd pick something else. And, you know, I'm not really sure I want to dodge. Could, you know, let's, let's think about a different brand here. No. When he said, do you want that car? I said, absolutely. I want that car. And he said, good, because your payments are $98.75 a month. <laughs> but I had a car. And one of the things I learned is that if you're going to drive very far, you got to put gas in it, right? That's not optional. I've run out of gas a few times. 
and not just when I was a teenager. Tommy Moon can laugh at me because he had to come save me on the interstate one day. I ran out of gas. It's, it's not optional. You got to have gas in the tank or you go nowhere. And somehow we think as believers, we can go through and live this life in our own strength and our own power and our own wisdom. We don't need the Holy Spirit. And that's true of people. And it's true of churches that we don't earnestly desire the spiritual power, the spiritual filling, the spiritual presence of God in our lives. That somehow I can get up today and I can make my way through this day and I really think I can handle it myself. God, I've got it from here. How foolish is that? And yet we do it every day. And we pride ourselves on what we are able to accomplish, on what we are able to do. When in reality, it's God in us that does it. So why is all this necessary? First of all, we can't be the person that God has called us to be or fulfill the mission that God has called us to fulfill without the infilling and empowering of the Holy Spirit. One of my favorite verses in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul says, We have this treasure in earthen vessels, in jars of clay. Why? So that we can show the surpassing glory, the surpassing power is from Him, not from us. The fact that God would use us. Listen, you're a great person. I know you are. You're all wonderful people. But the fact that God would use fallen, frail, fractured people like us is just amazing. That God would use me. It's just, it's just amazing. And I know you're sitting out there and go, oh, Jimmy, I know how to use you. You're wonderful. You're magnificent. You're awesome, man. You had to have your own TV show. Let's get you. No. You, you look at me and listen, I've been around long enough. You know I'm messed up. I've never pretended not to be messed up. When, I, when we started this church, I started, I think, with a phrase, something like this. If I ever give you the impression I know what I'm doing, I'm sorry. I'm broken. I'm cracked. I leak all over the place. And so are you. And yet God chooses to use us. We cannot be the person God has called us to be. We cannot fulfill that mission we recited earlier apart from the infilling and the empowering of the Holy Spirit. And what we're told in God's Word in 1 Thessalonians 5.19 is, is do not quench the Spirit. You are not to ex- quench, extinguish what God's Spirit wants to do in you or what He wants to do through you or what He wants to do in and through the church. To, to quench, it means, it means extinguish. It means to stifle. It means to, to cover over and to, to put it out. What then quenches the Spirit? Well, I'm, I'm going to have to go through this quickly. Believe me, I had a much longer section of this message I could share with you, but... There are a number of things that quench the Spirit in your life. Let me just give you a handful because I think think it'll help. Uh, Those things that get our attention and fill our minds. It's hard to be filled with the Spirit if we're filled with so many other things. 
those things that get our attention and fill our minds that occupy our attention. The choices that we make on a daily basis. Our refusal to stop and spend time with the God who's chosen to live in us and to walk around as if He's not even there. In recent surveys that are done, evangelical Christians admit that they spend less than five minutes in prayer each day. Now, I I do understand that sometimes five minutes in prayer can seem like an hour. Believe me, I understand that there are times when it does so for me. But when we were saved, when God called us, He didn't say, okay, now, now, son, now, daughter, okay, I've got you. I've got you. You're clean. You're ready to go. Now you go out and you face the world. I'm going I'm to just kind of just stand over here and watch. And you just, you just go on and, and you do your thing out there. Go ahead. No, no, it's okay. I, I'm over here. Don't worry about it. Oh, Jesus, listen, when Jesus gave his disciples a great commission, he said, listen, I want you guys. Uh, I have all authority, and because of that authority, I'm telling you now, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And, hey, listen, guys, don't forget, I'm going to be with you always to the very end of the age. You're not in this alone. The Holy Spirit infills us and empowers us, and we need to remain vitally and intimately connected with Him on a daily basis basis so let me just give you some practical truths and i'm going to wrap this up wow there's just so much i'm i want to apologize for not giving you everything this morning because i know you'd rather stay here till two to get that first of all let me just run through these quickly first of all god chooses to work through believers and empowers him for that work that's good news for you isn't it if you're a believer god is choosing choosing to empower you and to work through you Secondly, God's spirit in us is to lead us and to grow us. So God is in us in order to lead us, but God is in us to grow us, not only individually, but as part of the body of Christ. God's spirit in believers is for the building of unity and community in his church, not to tear us apart, but to bring us together and to grow us together. God's Spirit working through us is to enable us to reach the world with the gospel. Listen, the greatest task that you and I have ever been given is to carry the message and the name of Jesus Christ to people who are lost and to call them to follow Christ. Now, if you can do that on your own, you need to write a book. You can't do that on your own. The times that God has used me to lead people to come to a saving knowledge of His Son, Jesus Christ, when that happens, it is not anything that Jesus, that Jimmy has done other than just make himself available. And you and I have the privilege and the awesome responsibility to take the message of Jesus Christ to people who don't know Him But we can't do anything and accomplish anything apart 
from the power and the work of the Holy Spirit drawing that person to Jesus. There's nothing we can, cannot do if we're led and empowered by the Holy Spirit and nothing that we can do that ultimately matters without Him. And then i got a couple of long ones here, but I want you to hear this because I think this, this is important and kind of ties up some of what I was talking about with quenching the Holy Spirit. You and I can quench the work of the Holy Spirit in and through us by failing to read God's Word, neglecting our prayer lives, making no time for reflection and meditation, ignoring godly wisdom from fellow believers, willfully indulging our sin, refusing to confess and repent of sin, disconnecting from the local church, and closing our eyes to the lostness all around us. And then finally, you and I can open the floodgates of the Holy Spirit. In other words, I can stop quenching what the Spirit's doing, and I can open myself up to receive what He's doing by spending time in God's Word, allowing Him to speak to us, by spending time in prayer, by spending time in reflection on God's character, by listening to godly men and women, by resisting temptation, by confessing our sin and repenting of it, by being fully engaged in the life of our church, and by asking by asking God to burden our hearts for the lost. When we do that, when we put ourselves in that place, it enables us then, it opens us up to allow God to just pour His Spirit in us. We just take the lid off. Next year, I'm going to quickly wrap this up. 2017, well, in this, this year, we voted on our strategic document, our strategic plan. Our strategic plan had six strategies. And we said from out of those six strategies, the elders and the staff each year were going to raise up no more than three of those strategies or, or elements of those strategies as priorities for the coming year. I want to share with you this morning, the elders in our meeting this past week, we agreed together that our three emphases moving forward, those priorities for 2017, not that the other strategies aren't important, but we'll kind of raise up a little above the others, put some energy and emphasis and, and, uh, and resources toward these, are going to be missions, evangelism, and prayer. That's going to be our year. It's going to be our year to get our lives and our hearts in line with the hearts and the passions of God. And so what we'll be doing through our ministry, through our worship services, through our small groups, through every element of our ministry is we're asking our student ministry, hey, listen, spend, spend time focusing on missions, on evangelism, on prayer. And what we want to do is, listen, it's kind of a threefold strategy in this. We want to equip, we want to excite, and then we want to give you opportunities to engage. Does that make sense? We want to prepare you. We want to get you excited about what God's doing. And then we want to let you engage. This morning, we recognize that the Holy Spirit's work is to sustain us, to use us, to empower us. But do you know also the Holy Spirit's work is to draw people to Jesus? And maybe the Holy Spirit's been working in your heart to do that this week. And if he has, 
Maybe today is the day to say yes. The Holy Spirit's intended to draw us together. And if the Lord is, is saying, hey, this is where you need to make your home, your church home, then say yes. The Holy Spirit also convicts us. And if we've been carrying a burden of sin, guess what? Those chains can be left here today. If you need to confess and repent and go away without your shackles. Whatever it is that God's Spirit is leading you to do this morning, I just want to encourage you to say yes. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, its power. Thank you for your Holy Spirit who comes to to live in us, to infill us, to empower us. Not some esoteric ghost, but your real presence that you choose to place in us. Father God, I pray that I, as a pastor, I pray, Father, that I would not try to do this work that you've entrusted to me apart from your guidance and your power in me. I pray, Lord, that we as a church would not be satisfied to have the greatest plans and and have the greatest strategies, but to let that somehow be disconnected from your leadership and your power in our lives. We ask, Lord, that you would pour out your spirit in this moment in a way that would literally change our lives. And so, Lord, we look forward. Oh, Lord, we look forward to you doing your work in us and through us. In Jesus' name, amen.